was her most cherished jewel. I just get sort of um, rather excited by the fact that I'm on the very spot. Joan of Navarre is probably one of our least known queens of England, full stop. I love this fact they sort of stopped for lunch halfway through the rebellion. It's the only one of Fabergé's eggs that looks like an egg. Some of the most beautiful gems, including the Black Prince's ruby, were prized out of the crown and hidden in a biscuit tin. Hello and welcome to History Gems, where today's episode has a special festive theme. It's also going to be the last episode of the year. One of the most iconic parts of Christmas Day comes at 3pm, when since 1932, the monarch of Great Britain has broadcast a special message. Since 1952, that message has, of course, been delivered by Queen Elizabeth II. But have you ever paid any attention to the jewels that she wears, or more specifically, her brooches? Here to tell us more is royal writer Christopher Warwick. Where the, the broadcasts are concerned, I mean, some of the brooches have made repeated uh, appearances. There are pieces that were commissioned by King William IV for Queen Adelaide. Oh, wow. So, you know, there are so many pieces with this kind of historical family provenance. In the past, the Queen has actually had dresses designed, we're talking really evening dresses, evening dresses designed to go with particular jewels. Chris is the authorised biographer of Princess Margaret and his book, Princess Margaret, A Life of Contrasts, is now available. And he's also a royal commentator. So it's a great pleasure to welcome him to today's episode. Hello, Chris, and welcome to History Gems. Thank you, Nicola. I'm delighted to be here. I'm delighted to have you, and especially as this is a special festive-themed episode. And we're going to be talking today about something that is iconic to Christmas, I think, which is the Queen's Speech. And as we all know, it's broadcast every year at 3pm on Christmas Day. So what I'd really like to start with is if you could just tell us a little bit about that and why the Queen's Speech is so important and what do you think makes it so special? Well, I think what's very interesting is that the first Christmas broadcast by a British monarch was the present Queen's grandfather, George V, in 1932. And in fact, Sir John Reith, who was the um, director general of the BBC, and uh, he was in fact the founding father of the BBC, as he was put, he'd actually asked the king 10 years earlier in 1922. Um, if he would make a short broadcast for the new radio service. And the king at that time declined because he thought radio, or wireless as it was known, was mainly a source of, inter of entertainment. Well, then 10 years on, uh, Sir John Reith went back to the king and said, would he make a broadcast for Christmas? Because it would um, tie in with the launch of the Empire Service, which is now the World Service. And the king agreed uh, to do it that time. I think he'd been 
uh, spurred on by Queen Mary. And uh, he made his first uh, Christmas broadcast. It was actually written, interestingly enough, by Rudyard Kipling. Oh. And he, he's, his first reference, um, in fact, for anybody that's interested, you can actually go onto YouTube and the speeches are there. You can hear them for yourself. But King George V actually referred to, you know, technology. Through one of the marvels of modern science, I'm enabled this Christmas Day, he said, to speak to all my peoples throughout the empire. I take it as a good omen that wireless should have reached its present perfection at a time when the empire has been linked in closer union. Now, fast forward to 1957, which is when the Queen gave her first televised Christmas broadcast. Like her grandfather's, it was broadcast live from Sandringham, and the Queen referred to George V's broadcast and to modern science when she said, 25 years ago, my grandfather broadcast the first of these Christmas messages. Today is another landmark because television has made it possible for many of you to see me in your homes on Christmas Day. My own family often gather around to watch television, she said, as they are at this moment, and that is how I imagine you now. So that was the kind of continuity of the Christmas broadcast, which, of course, after the death of George V in 1936, her, her own father, who became King George VI, followed on. Uh, I think one of George VI's most important broadcasts, of course, was in 1939, because war had been declared that September. And... Um, it's really rather poignant when you listen to King George VI because, you know, uh, I think we probably all know that he had a stammer. Yeah. And you could hear him, you could hear him um, struggling every now and again in making this particular broadcast. So it's a rather poignant one. Um, but he said in, in the opening of that speech, given that, you know, that the war... Uh, had just been declared. He said, the festival we know as Christmas is above all a festival of peace and of the home and for all free peoples. The love of peace is profound, but true peace is in the hearts of men. And it is the tragedy of this time that there are powerful countries whose direction and policy are based on aggression and the suppression of all that we hold dear for mankind. And then Towards the end of the speech, very famously, he quoted the poem by Minnie Haskins, which she called God Knows, but it's very famously known as the Gate of the Year. And it's engraved on a plaque at the side of the entrance to where King George VI is buried in St. George's Chapel. And as a message of hope, he said, I said to the man who stood at the Gate of the Year, Give me a light that I may tread faithfully into the unknown. And he replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. The king continued with his broadcasts throughout the war, and the queen, when she ascended the throne, followed on with that tradition. 
And essentially, they're kind of, I mean, George V's first um, speech written by Rajab Kipling, earlier royal speeches had been written for them. But now um, our queen prefers to write her own. So the importance of them is while it's, uh, I don't know, I don't know that it's quite right to, to refer to them as morale boosters, but it's, you know, people usually like to hear from the Queen, don't they? Yeah. Um, and it's always been a kind of blend, if you like, of uh, family, including the royal family, the events in their lives, national events, and um, international events. I mean, if we think, for example, of the Queen's broadcast last year, and they're normally about 10 minutes or so. And last year, the Queen opened her, her broadcast by saying, as a child, I never imagined that one day a man would walk on the moon. Yet this year, we mark the 50th anniversary of the famous Apollo 11 mission. And the Queen went on to say, of course, how, how many millions have been transfixed, as she put it, uh, to the television, watching Neil Armstrong, taking a small step for man and a giant leap for mankind, and, as the Queen put it, indeed for womankind. And she then came back to the idea of small steps towards the end uh, of her broadcast, saying it's small steps that make a huge difference in people's lives, not always the, 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 the big leaps, as she put it. Um, she also referred to, to D-Day, the 70th anniversary of D-Day last year. So there's, a, there's that kind of blend of the personal, because she spoke about uh, the birth of her ninth great-grandchild, Archie, um, as well as the events that we've just been talking about. Something else, just as a quick aside, that I read somewhere when I was um, when we decided we were going to do this episode was that in 1952, so the year that the Queen does her first Christmas speech, was that she also apparently sat in the same chair and at the same desk that her father and grandfather had used before her, um, which I found quite interesting also. Yeah, because, I mean, interestingly enough, I mean, George V, it was a, a little studio had been set up in uh, at Sandringham. And that, of course, is where, as you say, George VI and the Queen uh, made their early broadcast from. I mean, as we know, the Queen has, um, for her broadcasts, they're sometimes recorded at Buckingham Palace, sometimes at Windsor Castle. Um, on one occasion, it was at the end of a performance at the Royal Albert Hall. On another time, it was in the stables of the Household Cavalry. You know, so there have been some varied uh, locations, but all very relevant. Really, really interesting to, to think about that. And the other thing that really interests me is the jewels that the Queen wears when she's giving these Christmas speeches. And I think for her first televised Christmas speech which you've um, told us about she she chose to wear three strands of pearls but as the years have gone on the Queen has regularly opted to wear a brooch as she often does on on these public occasions I've noticed and 
often these seem to be either pieces that have some historical connection or that have some kind of personal meaning. So I'm quite interested to know, firstly, why we think the Queen chooses to wear a brooch each year. And and what's your opinion on this? Do you think that she just likes brooches a lot? Well, I mean, the Queen, don't forget, she always wears her pearl necklace. She always wears her three-strand pearl necklace, um, always has done. Um, And in, in the same way, she's always worn brooches. Now, I don't know whether it's uh, I don't know whether it's particularly a generational thing. It might be, um, but she's always worn brooches. You know, you very very rarely see the queen without a brooch. You know, I mean, all right, if she's outside with a headscarf and a mat, she's not wearing one. But uh, otherwise, she's always worn brooches. And I think that where the the broadcast are concerned, I mean, some of the brooches have made repeated uh, appearances. But there's no particular significance to that, I don't think. I mean, last year's, uh, 2019, which was filmed in the green drawing room at Windsor Castle, um, she wore the sapphire and diamond brooch that had been given by Prince Albert to Queen Victoria on the day before their wedding. It was after a morning service in the bow room at Buckingham Palace on the 9th of February 1840 that Albert went upstairs to Victoria's sitting room and presented her with this beautiful sapphire and diamond brooch, which is, it's a large oblong sapphire and surrounded by 12 round diamonds. And Victoria pinned it to the bodice of her white satin wedding dress uh, the following day. And although she didn't wear it, she didn't wear jewels really in the, the long years of her widowhood, she did specify that that particular brooch was to be considered a crown piece of jewellery and held in trust for all future Queen's of Great Britain. So the crown piece of jewellery, there's this kind of um, central collection, if you like, owned by the sovereign, um, in which the more personal jewels, those that do not belong uh, as crown jewels, are kept. And so this particular sapphire and diamond brooch was put in to that collection, and it was worn by Queen Alexandra, by who actually wore it at her coronation with King Edward VII in 1902. It was a favourite of Queen Mary. The Queen Mother occasionally wore it, and then it came to the Queen on her accession. And she very often wears it. As you know, as you know, it's a it's a it's a beautiful jewel. Absolutely. And I I mean I, I didn't realise actually that it had been so highly favoured by subsequent queens from Victoria as well. And it's just incredible. I mean, to have access to that kind of jewel as well, and uh, with such a fascinating provenance, is just yeah, that's incredible. And as you mentioned, she, the Queen, wore that for her 2019 broadcast. And I think, um, I think that's not the only occasion that she's worn. She's worn it. I think I read somewhere that she'd also worn it for the 1987 broadcast, for example. She did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I know I, I was also saying to you that this 
this isn't the only brooch owned by Victoria that the Queen has been known to wear for her broadcast because in 2009 she also wore Queen Victoria's pearl brooch and what I also found fascinating about that was that this should have been a piece that the Queen inherited upon her accession but actually the Queen Mother was so fond of it that she retained it until her death and so it was only then that the Queen was able to obtain it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that also I mean, the Queen Mother, of course, retained, she had her own uh, jewel collection. Um, but I'm thinking particularly for the Queen Mother's 100th birthday, the Queen had a brooch designed and it's oval. Um, and the centre of it is a, is a kind of miniature of a pink rose that is surrounded by diamonds with a little diamond bow at the top. And that was the the Queen's gift to her mother on her 100th birthday. And, of course, after uh, Queen Elizabeth died in 2002, then that that went back to the Queen and she wears that quite often. Another really interesting piece is the um, sapphire brooch that the Queen wore in 1994 that came, I think, from the collection of Empress Marie Fyodorovna. Is that right? Yeah, Marie Fyodorovna. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, uh, Empress Marie Fyodorovna of Russia um, was actually born a Danish princess, Dagmar, or otherwise Dalmar. And um, this particular brooch, it's an oval cabochon sapphire, and it's surrounded by two rows of diamonds with a pearl drop suspended from a collet diamond. And that had been a wedding gift from Edward and Alexandra, Alexandra being uh, Dagmar's sister, Edward and Alexandra, Prince and Princess of Wales. Um, When Dagmar married the future Tsar Alexander III of Russia, and Queen Mary bought the brooch from the from Marie Fedorovna's estate in 1929, and the Queen inherited our present Queen inherited it in 1953, and that's a, a rather beautiful jewel as well. I think it's also quite fair to say, from what we've been talking about, that the Queen does seem to like wearing pieces of some historical significance but also ones that seem to well I guess the two are interlinked that have family significance as well so like that one well I mean most most of the jewels uh the brooches necklaces bracelets tiaras you name it they've all got um quite a history and they are almost inevitably uh family history Queen Mary was very keen on uh, gathering together if she didn't if they didn't already have it in the royal collection then she was always very keen to buy or acquire um items whatever they might be if they had some connection with the royal family from George III to her time so um i mean in in the jewel collection um there are pieces that were commissioned by King William the Fourth for Queen Adelaide. Oh, wow. So, you know, there are so many pieces with 
this kind of historical or family provenance. Um, so it's kind of difficult in a way for the Queen not to be wearing a, a piece of jewellery that doesn't have some kind of family connection or historical significance. There's also one uh, jewel that you and I were going to be talking about, uh, which is much newer, which is the flower basket brooch. Yes. That uh, she wore, uh, the Queen's worn twice in 1988 and 2006 for her Christmas broadcast. And this was, it's called the flower basket or Giardinetti, little flower garden. And it's a basket containing flowers. It's a garden basket. And the flowers are made up of rubies, diamonds and sapphires. And this was given to the then Princess Elizabeth by George VI and Queen Elizabeth on the birth of Prince Charles in 1948. And the Queen has worn this so often that, you know, you can easily pick it out in photographs. And it's one of those very recognisable pieces. Didn't she actually also wear it for Prince Charles's first official photograph as well? Uh, yes, she did. She did. And um, in fact, in, in a book on which I was the consultant and writer published by um, Tashin, it's a fabulous, heavy tone called Her Majesty. And one of the four page photographs taken at, in 1948 is of the Queen wearing the, the uh, basket brooch. A really iconic piece with a lot of history that the Queen has worn is the Duchess of Cambridge's pendant brooch. But to be clear, the Duchess in question isn't the present Duchess Kate Middleton, is it? I don't think. No, 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 it very definitely isn't. <laughs> um, it was uh, this particular, there's, there's also this the the pendant brooch, the Duchess of Cambridge's pendant brooch, links in with another piece that the Duchess of Cambridge owned, and that was known as the Cambridge Emerald Scroll brooch. Ooh. And this um, this particular brooch has contains two of the famous Cambridge emeralds surrounded by diamonds and i'll come back to that in a second the history of, of that particular brooch um is really rather fascinating because it was in 1818 that the 20 year old princess augusta of hess castle married her 44 year old cousin adolphus duke of cambridge he was the seventh son of George III. And they married um, first in Germany and then again at Buckingham Palace. And while they were in Germany, it was in Frankfurt that the new Duchess of Cambridge bought a ticket for a state lottery. She won. And she was given a box of about 40 Cabochon emeralds. And these became famously known as the Cambridge Emeralds. And after uh, Augusta died, her younger daughter, Princess Mary Adelaide of Cambridge, um, inherited them. Princess Mary Adelaide was 
a huge woman of some 20 stone. The Victorian public loved her because she was very flamboyant. And she um, inherited the Cambridge Emeralds. And when she died intestate, her jewels were divided between her four children. She had only one daughter, the future Queen Mary, and three sons. Now, the second son, devilishly good-looking man called Prince Francis, otherwise known as Frank. Now, he was a bit of a gambler. He was a bit you know, wayward, this fellow. And he gave the emeralds, along with other jewels, to his mistress, who was called Nellie, Countess of Kilmory. Now, Queen Mary was pretty outraged and angry saying, you know, he got no right to give the jewels away to his mistress. And um, in the end, Queen Mary bought them back from Lady Kilmory for £10,000. And Queen Mary had these Cambridge emeralds used in uh, this uh, fantastic stomacher that she wore on the front of her dress during the Delhi Durbar in India in 1911. And these over 40 cabochon emeralds were used in bracelets and necklaces and brooches, including, as we were talking about just now, the emerald scroll brooch. That was part of Queen Mary's stomacher. And today, uh, it's also the Cambridge emeralds uh, easily recognisable because the Queen wears what is known as the Vladimir tiara, circles of, of diamonds, diamond circles interlinked, and instead, as an alternative to the drop pearls that she wears with that tiara, the Cambridge emeralds can also be used as an alternative. And then, as you mentioned, the Duchess of Cambridge, Augusta, had a very pretty a pendant brooch, which the Queen has worn four times in her Christmas broadcasts. And this was a round pearl surrounded by 14 brilliant cut diamonds. And a, a Baroque pearl was suspended from it. And uh, as, we, as we've just been saying, that belonged to Augusta, Duchess of Cambridge, and when she died at the age of 91 in April 1889, that too went to her, her daughter, Mary Adelaide. And it's one of the Queen's most favourite brooches. I read somewhere as well, tell me if this is true, that, that actually Queen Mary wore that brooch at the Queen's own christening. Yes, I can well believe it. It was one of Queen Mary's favourites and, and she constantly wore it. Okay, I see. And I, I just find that that link as well, I can't help but think that that might make it that little bit more special for the Queen as well. Uh, the earrings that the Queen wears all the time, a pearl with a tiny diamond above. Now, the Queen inherited those from Queen Mary and Queen Mary wore those all the time. So the, the Queen was very fond uh, of her grandmother. And um, Queen Mary, of course... Not simply because uh, Elizabeth was going to be queen. Uh, queen Mary left a raft of most magnificent jewels to uh, the queen. 
lucky lady. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. It's been really riveting to hear all about this wonderful collection that the Queen has inherited. And I can just imagine her being presented with this huge selection of brooches each year and that exciting moment when it comes to planning her outfit that she's going to wear when she records her Christmas broadcast and the moment when she has to choose just one of these brooches to wear. I would just love to be a fly on the wall for that moment. It's incredible. Well, I think, I think what's, what's decided is that the Queen, with her dresser and assistant, Angela Kelly um, will decide on what outfit she's going to wear, and then Angela would um, put out a selection of brooches to go with it, and then you know the Queen will choose what she wants to wear then. Ah, okay. So it's the dress first, and then the brooch. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, in the past, the Queen has actually had dresses designed we're talking really evening dresses evening dresses designed to go with particular jewels back in 1969 when there was a film called royal family uh, that was made for television and uh, at one point i well remember a sequence of the queen talking to her then dresser margaret mcdonald who was known as bobo and i forget quite what jewels they were looking at but uh, the queen had a had a a dress designed to go with them and she said and I have worn that haven't I <laughs> gosh wouldn't that be amazing to, to... <laughs> um so just one final question that I wanted to ask you then is do you ever think that these brooches are chosen by the queen with a specific I guess to make a specific point or do you think it literally comes down to the fact that Oh, yes, I think, you know, the, the, the rubies will look lovely with the black dress. I don't think there's any reason for the Queen to wear jewels that make a point. Um, I mean, for example, she has a diamond maple leaf brooch. And that, as a diplomatic gesture, given that she's Queen of Canada, she wears or she wore um, on, on her visits to, to Canada, you know. But I think otherwise, it's just the personal choice of what goes with her uh, particular outfit. And, you know, the dresser wouldn't lay out um, a great many of the brooches. There'd just be a few that she could say, OK, let's wear that one, with, you know, today, whatever. And I think it's, you know, like any other woman with a selection of brooches, she'll go to, the, to her box or it'll be given to her and she'll just kind of decide what she's wearing. Thank you so much Chris it has been such an enlightening episode and I for one am certainly not ever going to look at the Queen's broadcast again in the same way I'm always going to be scrutinizing particularly this year I'm going to be scrutinizing and keeping a close eye on what brooch she's wearing and trying to find out more about it um so very very finally for those listeners who would like to find out more about you and your work where can they find you? Golly, I think probably the best place is to look on Amazon <laughs> if they're interested in, in, in the books that I've written. And um, about me, um, my career, well, I have a website, so you know that can be found as well. A Google search will bring me up. Thank you so much for your time today. It has been a real festive treat. Very welcome. 
joining us for this special festive episode of History Gems and for all of the support that we've received since starting the podcast. We're going to be taking a break for a couple of weeks to enjoy the festivities, but we will be back in the new year with lots of brand new and sparkling stories for you. We'll also be posting pictures of some of the pieces discussed in today's episode on our social media channels, at History Gems Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please remember to press subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. In the meantime, wishing you all a very Merry Christmas and don't forget to tune in for the next episode of History Gems.